want you to open your Bible this morning to Exodus, Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3, and when you've got your finger on Exodus 3, I want you to put your finger there or your marker there in Exodus 3, and then I want you to turn to Exodus 4. There a little bit too, so just try to just try to keep both places marked, so so you can get there pretty quickly. Um, today our message is on excuses or service. Excuses or service, and we're going to talk about Moses and some of the excuses that Moses offered up. And you know, as we as we read the scriptures and as we think about Moses and how things played out in his life, you know, sometimes I, I think when I read the beginning of a particular stream of stories or 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 uh, a, a particular chapter in the book, I often wonder what would things have been like if if the people involved had been obedient or had made a decision to do the right thing at the beginning. Uh, you ever do that? Do you ever do that in your own life? Boy, if I'd have just done the right thing to begin with, things just wouldn't have turned out maybe the way they did. So I want us to think along those lines of thought today. And I want us to think about how when God called Moses, uh, rather than, than offering up himself freely uh, and jumping right into that service, he offered up excuses instead. And I thought about as as I was thinking about this, I wondered what it would be like if we started to offer up excuses um, at other things the way we offer excuses up sometimes in church. Because, you know, we can get very uh, uh, energetic and enthusiastic about other things, can't we? Just for instance, sports. You know, sports and, and church, two things that you can get really excited about. Um, we're excited about going to a sporting event we will shout and yell and jump up and down and just be so excited and we'll spend all kinds of money to to wear our our our, our favorite team jersey and we'll spend ten dollars on a bucket of popcorn and five dollars on a, a bottled water <laughs> or whatever and we do some things in sports that it would be really cool if we could just kind of move that bring that on into our worship as well and you're thinking, maybe some of you are thinking, well, William, I don't think that people really ought to behave in church like I've seen some people behave in sporting events. And I'd probably agree with you there. But you know what I'm thinking is people get so intense and committed and determined, we all do, about certain things in our lives. And yet when it comes to things of the church and things of God, we're less so, aren't we? We're less so. Maybe it's because we know that God is a forgiving God. And he'll forgive us if we're not as excited about uh, Sunday evening service as we are about Monday night football or something along those lines. But anyway, um, I, I read an article from Moody Monthly, and they said, would it not be interesting if people started using some of the excuses at sporting events that we sometimes use at church? And I hope you see the humor in this because that's what it's intended for. So, Listen to this. What if people used these excuses about sporting events that we sometimes use in church? Every time I went, they asked for money. 
The people with whom I had to sit did not seem very friendly. The seats were too hard and uncomfortable. The coach never came to see me. <laughs> the referee made a decision with which I could not agree. Um, I was sitting with some hypocrites. They only came to see what others were wearing. Uh, let's see. Some games went into overtime, and it, I got, it was late getting home. I was late getting home. Uh, the band played numbers that I had never heard before. The games were scheduled when I want to do other things. My parents took me to too many games when I was growing up. And since I read a book on sports, I feel that I know more than the coaches anyway. And I like this one. This is interesting. I don't want, my ch I don't want to take my children because I want them to choose for themselves what sport they like best. What sport they like best. So, uh, excuses. Excuses of service is what we're looking at today. And as we get into our scripture here in just a few minutes, uh, we're going we're gonna to start in on a point where... In the first part, of, or in chapter 3, we see that God is telling Moses, the first part in chapter 3, which we're not going to be reading, he's telling Moses, hey, I have heard the cry of my people. They want to be delivered. I have heard their cry, and I want to deliver them. And then the big surprise came when God said to Moses, and here's the deal, I want to send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now you kind of you ever been in a situation where you thought it's time for change. It's time for something to happen. It's time that we all got together and, and did something different here. And then somebody said, "Okay, you're in charge." And you're like, "Wait a minute, not me." No, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, this is kind of the situation that Moses is in. So we can kind of feel what he's feeling. But we're going to see today how that when God confronts Moses. Instead of saying, here am I, send me. I'm ready to go. He comes up with excuses. And we, ex we respond the same way in this day and time, certainly. Um, I have to say that among the things I'm getting ready to read to you, I am guilty of 100% of these, okay? You asked to, you're asked to teach a class, and the excuses start. You're asked to serve in the nursery, and the excuses start. God put it on your heart to share your faith with a friend or a neighbor, and the excuses start. You're made aware of someone with a need, a need that you can provide for, a need that you can fulfill, and the excuses start. And in fact, you're asked to do just about anything for the Lord, and the excuses start. I'm too busy. I'm not qualified. Uh, somebody else would do a better job. Now, sometimes we can, the excuses that we have can pile up so much and we can have so many that they really get in our way of doing something for God. And, you know, we've all been gifted as children of God when we accept Christ and the Holy Spirit comes in, He brings with Him, He comes bearing gifts. And he's got a gift to give you that you can use. Gift, gifts, sometimes plural as well. And sometimes we even know what our gifts are. And yet when it comes time for us to use those gifts, again, the excuses start. And sometimes we can, again, pile up those excuses so much 
that it really gets in the way of something that God wants to do. And I, I found this illustration that I think shows this very well. And there was a uh, commanding officer who was really upset when nine of his GIs who had been out on passes failed to show up for morning roll call. And they didn't show up. The first one didn't show up till the next day at 7 p.m. And this is the excuse that he offered up. He said, I'm sorry, sir, but I had a date and I lost track of time and I missed the bus coming back. So I was determined to get here on time, so I hired a cab. And then halfway here, the cab broke down. And I went to a farmhouse and I persuaded the farmer to sell me a horse. And I was riding to camp when the animal fell over dead and I walked the last 10 miles and here I am. So, you know... The colonel was skeptical, but he reprimanded the officer, and he, he said, okay, uh, don't let it happen again. But then right after him, seven other stragglers in a row came in, and they came in with the same story. Had a date, missed the bus, hired a cab, bought a horse, blah, blah, blah. So by the time that the ninth man came in, uh, the colonel said, okay, well, what happened to you? And he had an idea of what it was. And he said, sir, I had this date, and I missed the bus coming back, so I hired a cab. And the colonel said, wait, don't tell me. The cab broke down. No, sir, replied the soldier. The cab didn't break down. It was just that there were so many dead horses in the road, we had trouble getting through. <laughs> so sometimes our excuses can pile up and really hinder and keep things from happening that God wants to happen. And, and then what good are our excuses? excuses? And most, Moses had reasons. He had several reasons for not wanting to do what God had called him to do. And he thought that these excuses or these reasons would illustrate his uh, deficiencies or his insufficient ability to be able to do the things that God was calling him to do. So we're going to read from uh, Exodus chapter 3. We're going to begin with verse number 10. We're going to skip around a little bit, so I'll tell you when we're going to be jumping some verses here. But Exodus chapter 3, beginning with verse number 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they, say, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. And then let's jump to chapter 4, verse number 1. Chapter 4, verse number 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. 
And he said, cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand, and he caught it, and it became a rod in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath appeared unto thee. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, put now thine hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, put thine hand into thy bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again and plucked it out of his bosom. And behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river and pour it upon the dry land, and the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. Should it not have been a done deal right there? Right there. Wait a minute. Should it not have been a done deal when he said go? And, and now, and we see all these things, and oh, our God has an answer for every question, doesn't he? You think you can stump him? Think again. All right, let's move on. Verse 13. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by thy hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him and put words in his mouth. And I will be with thy mouth and with his mouth and will teach you what ye shall do. And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people. And he shall be, even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth. And thou shalt be to him instead of God. And thou shalt take his rod in thine hand wherewith thou shalt do signs. And then we go to verse 20, and we see finally that Moses takes his wife, he takes his sons, he takes his donkey, and they return to the land of Egypt, and Moses took the rod of God in his hand. So we see a slew, what we see here is a slew of excuses. Uh, just so much like you and me in this day and time. Why he can't do this. Why he shouldn't be the one called upon to do this. And in his mind, valid reasons valid excuses why he shouldn't be doing this and yet there's god at every step of the way i'll take care of that i'll take care of that i'll take care of that i'll not only take care of your mouth i'll take care of aaron's mouth <laughs> you know he's got he's got it all taken care of this is a testimony to us today god will take care of us and especially if he calls us to do something he will take care of us so let's break down these excuses uh just for a few minutes what we've got left in time and let's take a look 
at, at what God had to say about all these things. Now, the first excuse we see starts off in verses 11 and 12. And we'll call this the who me excuse. The not me, you, got, you're, you must be kidding, you must be mistaken. That's the first excuse that he offers. He says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And you have to imagine that maybe Moses is feeling this way because of the failures that had happened in his life prior to this. Failures that had ha- already happened that were solidified in his mind so to the point that he felt like, well, I failed back then, I'll fail again. So maybe that's what we're, we're seeing. And if you go to Acts, you don't have to turn there now, but in the book of Acts, we see Stephen talking about Moses. And this is what Stephen said about Moses. Now, when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand, but they did not understand. And the next day he appeared to two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brethren. Why do you wrong each other? Why do you wrong one another? But he who did his neighbor wrong pushed Moses, pushed him away, saying, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? So maybe in Moses' mind, he's thinking back to the time when he tried something and it didn't really work out. When he tried to do the right thing and things didn't pan out the way that he felt that they should, he was thinking to himself, you know, I tried this deliverance thing years ago. Nobody listened. Nobody believed. And, you know, there's nothing more frustrating, I I would imagine, than when you're trying to to speak truth to people or speak truth to somebody and they don't want to listen and they don't want to believe it. I mean, think about the times you've tried to share your faith in Christ and the person you were sharing with didn't want to hear it and didn't want to believe it. How'd that make you feel? Did it make you feel like, well, I'm no good at this. I'm not going to do this again. Or I'm not very successful at this like I've heard other people at church. So maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe this isn't my gift. Maybe I'm not supposed to go and tell other people about Jesus. But here's what we have to remember. And that is that our past is redeemable nothing is set in concrete people change we change and what moses failed to realize is that the people of israel and moses himself they were in a different place spiritually than they were all those years ago when this happened so he was terrified of being rejected he was terrified of being a failure And I think that that feeling is common to everybody in this room today that's breathing. Am I right? Being a failure, being being rejected, we don't like those feelings. We don't want that to happen. We want every time we go out in Jesus' name, every time we step out on a limb and try to tell somebody about our faith and tell somebody about Jesus, we want success, don't we? We want that. And, and it's good to want that. But you've got to understand that it is all going to take place in God's time, not our time. When will I learn that? When will I learn that? I'm still learning that. And I'm 51 years old, and I'm still learning that. So God answered Moses in verse 12. He said, I'm going to be with you. Those are what, the words that he said. And this will be a sign unto you that I have sent you, that when you have brought the people out of Egypt, 
you shall serve God on this mountain. So what more did Moses need? God said, go and I will be with you. God says to you and me, go and I will be with you. So the first excuse Moses expressed doubt in himself. And we can relate to that. We can understand that. But the next excuse that Moses comes up with is really expressing doubt in God. He says in verses 13 through 15, By what authority do I go? What, by what authority should I tell them that I have come? Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? Now, this is important not only for Moses, but this is important for you and me as well, that God does not, he does not expect us to go and explain everything that we don't understand about him. Did you hear that? He does not expect us to go and explain everything that we don't understand. How many of you today will raise your hand and say, there are things about God that I do not understand? Raise your hand. Okay, so you are not expected to go and tell people about things that you don't understand. He wants us to go and tell people about the things that we do know and that we do understand. He just asked Moses to do that very thing. And he says, tell them this, tell them I am who I am. Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. But this is who has sent me. And what, what I think God is trying to show Moses here is that it doesn't have to do with who you are. It has to do with who I am. Henceforth, I am. It doesn't have to do with who you are. It has to do with who he is. That, that, is, that is across the board, people. Uh, you know, we, we put such high expectations on ourselves, and we're so, again, performance-based in our, in our lives. It does not have to do with who you are. It has to do with who he is. It always has, and it always will. It was true for Moses and it's true for me as well. And it's true for you as well. So I think we can also be said that the reason why so many people won't commit to doing things for God is because they don't really, they don't really know God. They don't really know God. They, they sort of know Him, but they've kind of lo you know, lost track of who God is. I mean, just think of it this way. Let's just say we're... we're just kind of a very casual Christian. We're okay with church every now and then. And um, we don't really read our Bible much, but we know it's a good book. And we don't really share our faith, but we try to do the right things. And we're just kind of very, you know, casually committed to this being a Christian thing. And then somebody comes along and asks you to be a part of a group at church or asks you to join a Bible study at work. And, and the, the excuses will come. Because we haven't, really, we haven't really worked on that relationship that he wants us to have, he and I. I haven't really worked on that relationship. I haven't really proven God. I haven't really, I haven't really tried God out to see what he can really do and what he has done. I haven't really spent time studying 
who he is and what he did for me at the cross. And so I may even as a Christian have this idea of God as some type of grandfather figure sitting up there, you know, kind of putting his hands over his ears when I use colorful language and kind of give me a little wink when I sin like I saw that. You know, we kind of maybe see him as that kind of a as, as an individual. But God is with us. God is in us. God is right here. And he is not only the giver of life. He is not only the giver of life. He is life. He is my life. He is my identity. So when God tells Moses that I am who I am, when he says that, what he's really saying is, I am he who was, I am he who is, and I am he who will always and forever be, and I will continue to be that forever. So, you know, what more do you need? That he is, he is, I am. So, again, an excuse, God took care of that. Let's look at the next excuse. This next excuse is also going to be very uh, familiar to everybody in this room. And it is, this is the what if excuse. And we see these in verses 1 through 9. What if? What if? How many times have you said that? You were getting ready to embark on something or somebody asked you to do something. And, and maybe you didn't say it out loud, but in your mind you're going, but what if this happens? And what if it happens? Do we not do that just like every day? Uh, maybe you're thinking, I think I, can, I think I can pull out in front of this car because it's not going really fast. But what if, you know, my car is prone to die on me. What if I'm going to pull out in front of this car, it dies on me? Or what if he decides to start going faster? Or what if the sun is going across their windshield and they don't see me? We do that, and I think that's a good game of what if to play. But the what ifs that Moses is asking may be a different story here. It says, Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me, and they will not listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. Now, in the King James Version, which is what we read from, it actually says, What if? You know, Moses, Moses asks, What if they ask me a question that I don't have an answer to? And... What if they ask me a question? I, I want to be able to, to say the right thing and do the right thing. What if, I, what if I don't do this? What if I don't do that? We use that excuse, do we not? I think we knocked that one out of the water before. He said, I'm not telling you to go tell people what you don't know. I want you to go and tell people what you do know. And what's a good answer to a question that somebody asks you and you don't know the answer to? I, I don't know. What's a good way to follow that question up? I'll find out. Oh, and then that involves more work. Are we ready for that? Am I ready for that? One thing's for sure, when we ask what if, that, and we ask it too often, then that can kill our victory. We need to remember what has been done for us, and we need to remember what has been promised to us, and realize that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So... Again, he says, what if? And God says, let me just take care of that right now. And so what God begins to do is he gives Moses three proofs, three proofs of his power and three proofs that he can give to the people that it was God that sent him. And the first thing that he did is he, he asked him to take his rod 
and he asked him to throw it on the ground. And what happened to that rod? It turned into a serpent. It turned into a snake. And so before we go any further, I want to make note of this. And I want you to realize this. God did not ask Moses to use something that he didn't have. He asked Moses to use something that he had. So God asks you to do something. He knows that you have something to do that something with. Does that make sense? So he, he asked of Moses what he had. He said, take that rod and throw it down. He never demands of us what we don't have. He never demands of us what we don't have. Okay, so what he's looking for, another way to say that, he is not looking for ability. He is looking for what? Availability. He is not looking for ability. He is looking for availability. So what we are have a tendency to do, and I know, I know uh, when, uh, when I, I used to do teaching, and I had to go through training. And what they tried to do is uh, give you an idea of what you can do with your class if your teacher doesn't leave you any uh, lesson plans. Now, I have to say that every teacher I ever substituted for had excellent, excellent plans for me the day that I got there. And two of the three teachers that I've substituted for are in here today, so that was a good thing for me to say, right? But, you know, they, one of the things they said is, you know, I can't remember the name of it, but uh, give them a problem, and, 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 and for them to find the solution, you have them make a table, and you have them put the positives on one side and the negatives on the other side, or put the assets on one side and the liabilities on one side. And that's usually what we do, isn't it? Okay, God's called me to do this, so let me put on this, this side over here the reasons that I should do it, and let me put over here the reasons that I shouldn't. And if the reasons that we shouldn't outweigh the reasons that we should, then we're not going to do it, are we? Huh? Are we? Are y'all those people that no matter what, I'm going to do it? We don't need this message today, do we? Okay. But that's what we do. Uh, that's what we do. But God's not interested in that either. A lot of times what God does is He will let us uh, go out in something that we feel very very. Uh, capable of doing and you know I've got this and then he will allow us to fail and then we go out on something that we feel like we're so unqualified for that we just have to totally depend on God to get it done and it's successful that's how our God works his ways are not our ways his thoughts are not our thoughts he uses us so so God told Moses he said throw that thing down and he threw it down and then he told Moses to pick it up by the tail. Now, I'm not going to pick a snake up by the tail, by the head, by no part of it. I don't want to pick up a snake. I really don't know, though, is it, right, is it wise to pick up a snake by the tail? Because in my mind, he can just swing around and do whatever he wants to to me. And there I am just holding his tail, you know. But he did it. Moses did it. And he picked it up, and, and it turned right back into a rod again. And it was difficult for Moses to do that, I'm sure, but he did it. And, and God turned it back into the rod. And then the next thing that God did is he gave Moses the sign of his hand becoming leprous. And then 
putting it to his bosom, bringing it back out, and it was normal again. And then he gave him the sign of being able to turn water into, into blood. So here's what God has done for Moses with the excuses that Moses offered up. He has revealed himself to Moses, for one thing. He told Moses of his desire to deliver the people. He has promised him success, and he's given him three signs that the people will believe him. And despite all of that, that's still not enough for Moses because he comes up with a fourth excuse, but Lord, I don't speak very well. <laughs> Lord, I don't speak well. I'm not, a good, I'm not a good speaker. You don't want me to do that. Uh, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And it's funny that he would say that because, you know, Stephen, who was talking about him in the book of Acts, we read about him a few minutes ago. You know what he said about Moses? He said that Moses was mighty in words and deeds. So who's telling the truth here? What's going on here? Is this just an excuse that he's offering up because he just he doesn't want to do this? You have to think about it. That might be the reason. But the Lord responds to Moses in verses 11 and 12. He says, hey, who made your mouth? Who made your mouth? Did I not make your mouth? Now go, and I will be with your mouth, and I will teach your mouth what I want your mouth to say through your mouth, basically. So I will be with you. I will help you. You don't need to worry about that. Move forward. Go on. Keep going. Our inadequacies, whatever we feel they may be, are not a problem with God. And actually, he can use our inadequacies to do some pretty amazing things. Can he not? Yes, he can. He certainly can. But what we have to do is make ourselves available. And then he came up with uh, this final excuse. And we see this in verses 13 through 17. And basically what he says in those verses is, just, just send somebody else. You think at this point Moses was like, okay, everything I say, he's going to have something to say about it. So I'm just going to tell him, just send somebody else, please. No matter what, no matter, no matter the signs that God gave him, no matter the promises that God had made him, Moses, it seems obvious here, Moses just does not want to go. And this last objection is not based on any kind of reason. He just doesn't, he just doesn't want to go. He's simply almost putting his foot down and telling God, no, I'm not going. I don't want to do it. I don't want to go. And the result of that comes in verse 14 when the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Burned against Moses. God is not pleased with our excuses. Let's just be upfront and honest about that right here and now. He is not pleased with our excuses. It's, and you know, it's not, because, it's not because God had patience with four questions, but when Moses hit the fifth question, then God was done with it. That's not the case. That's not what happened here. God doesn't give us a five-question limit. Thank goodness. Amen. But Moses is refusing to trust God. He's re refusing to trust the answers that God has given him. And then when he says, send somebody else, in effect, what he's saying is, I don't trust you, send somebody else. Now think about it. We may not, we may not feel like that's what Moses is saying, but when we get to this point and Moses just finally comes out and says, send somebody else, is it not just outright saying to God, I don't trust you and all these things you have said, 
send somebody else. Send somebody else. And it displeased God. And not only do our excuses displease God, but they can also cause discouragement within the body of Christ, within the church. Because when we use excuses for not doing the things that God is calling us to do, then it means that a few people will have to carry the weight of many people. And Satan is certainly not above using that as a wedge to bring division and to bring discouragement within a church. It can happen, and it will happen. We don't need somebody else to do what God is calling us to do. If we let others do what we are afraid to do, then we're probably letting someone else do what God is calling us to do. And that's not, that's not what's intended, and that's not what's best for, for everyone involved in that situation. Have you ever thought, stopped to think about the harm that we are doing when we retreat in fear? You know, uh, I know being in church as long as I have and being in the leadership of the church as long as I have, I have seen groups of people suffer because there were no leaders for that group. Uh, I have seen areas that could have been thriving and, and, and doing wonderful things, but there was just not enough people that could step up and lead and do and teach uh, the, all the groups that were available. Was it for lack of having people that could? No. It was for lack of having people that would. And this, trust me, this goes not out just to you all, but it comes right back to me as well. It's for all of us. It's really for all of us in the church. You know, what is it that God has called us to do? We a lot of times talk about, I want to know God's will for my life. I want to be obedient. And yet when he gives us opportunities to be obedient, it's like we come up with a Moses bag full of excuses not to do these things. And then in the latter part of verse 14, God says this to Moses. Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And, and look, he is coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put words in his mouth and I will be with your mouth. And with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people. So God accommodated Moses' lack, Moses' lack of faith by allowing Moses' brother to be his, his voice for him. Do you feel, though, that even with Moses' inadequacies and his inability to speak eloquently, that still it would have been better if Moses had done that instead of, bringing his brother Aaron in. Because we know what happened when Moses went up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. Who was in charge and allowed the people to make an idol to worship? It was Aaron. It certainly was. It was Aaron. So this man that God allowed to assist Moses was involved in, in really a travesty. Uh, a, a terrible situation that took place. But God works all things together for good. Amen? So we see a breakthrough finally in verse number 20 of chapter 4 where Moses decides to take his wife and his sons and he puts them on a donkey and he starts back to Egypt and he took the staff of God in his hand. So ultimately he did 
what the Lord asked him to do. And do you realize, because he did what God asked him to do, do you realize the number of people who were affected by his obedience? Can you say millions? And that's, that's just in that particular moment of time. Think of all the people that have been affected by the story of Moses and the Israelites and the Exodus. Think of all of us who have been affected by this story. So it's, I think it's millions and millions. So when we walk in obedience, we're going to touch the lives of the people around us. But they're going to see our inadequacies. And they're going to see us fail. And they're going to see us make mistakes. And the thing is, that's the thing, is it not? When I have seen people that are in charge or even over me in different situations, when I have seen them fail, it has helped me to see that they're human too. And it has encouraged me to kind of come along beside them and do what I can to help. And then it's win-win, right? So it's okay for us to make mistakes. It's okay for me to make mistakes. We'll make mistakes. I have made mistakes. I am making mistakes. I've probably made many mistakes today. But I can't let that hinder me from doing what God has called me to do. So when we walk in obedience, we will touch the lives of the people around us. I want to leave you with this quote that I, that I read from Dr. B.J. Miller. He said this, It is a great deal easier to do that which God gives us to do, no matter how hard it is, than to face the responsibilities of not doing it so what he's saying is the cost of obedience is nothing when compared with the cost of disobedience so we ask the question of the church of all of us here in the church is it can't or is it won't is it can't or is it won't we need to be careful which one we choose is it going to be i can't or is it going to be i won't Here's the fact. When we refuse to follow God, and when we refuse to follow the Lord, it's because we won't. We disobey because we choose to. Think about that. I guess what we can say is that, that God removes all excuses and all reasons for not doing what He calls us to do. And that's, that's a hard lesson for us to learn because I look back at my life and I see all the times I said I can't and I wonder what could have happened if I had said otherwise and here's one more thing I want to tell you before we finish up today that when God calls us to do something when he has a plan for you and for me I want you to listen very closely when he has something for you in the church at where you work in your family in your neighborhood when he has something for you to do, he, he never expects you to carry that out. I'm going to say that again. When God has something for you to do and when he has something for me to do, he never expects us to carry that out because he is going to see to it that when we make ourselves available, he will carry it out. Because it's not about who I am and what I can do. It's about what He can do when I allow Him to do it through me. So it kind of removes even a desire 
to give an excuse because of knowing that what God can do if we just put ourselves out there for him to use us. So I want to bow our heads today. And I've got one more thing I want to share with you in, in terms of something that I want to read to you. But let me say this too. It would be so easy. It would be so easy today to walk out of this place and say, well, he just, he just preached this sermon because the nominating committee is getting ready to meet and they're going to want to fill some positions and they're going to come and ask people. And if people say they can't or they won't, they're going to bring up that sermon and then we're going to feel like we have to do it. And that's not the case. More than anything else, this sermon lets us know lets us know how big God is and what God can do. And no matter what excuses or reasons we can come up with, He can take care of all of those. Because He is that big of a God. And, you know, everybody in here, every single person, God can use. And for some of us, it will be a very in front of people kind of a situation like I'm doing right now. For some of us, it'll be a behind-the-scenes kind of thing. But no matter where it is, God can use you, and God can use you to affect a lot of people. Let me say this, and I don't say this to, to raise any one person or group of people above any other, but this is just an example. I have been encouraged when I have seen people get together and prepare a meal for a family in need. That's a great encouragement to me. That affects me. It affects the family that the food is, is prepared for. It could be a funeral situation. It could be a sickness situation. We've had opportunities in both those areas. And when I see God's church, God's people doing these things, it is a tremendous encouragement to me. So I want to leave you with a little bit of a, a story here from many of you may be familiar with, some of you may not. It's written by C.S. Lewis. It's, the, it's from the Chronicles of Narnia, and it is from the book The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And if you're familiar with that story at all, there's a figure in this story named Aslan who is a lion, who is a Christ figure, who has been sacrificed on a stone table for the sins of other people. And he has come back to life. So you see a picture of Christ in this figure. I want you to listen to this. Oh, children, said the lion. I feel my strength coming back to me. Oh, children, catch me if you can. He stood still for a second. His eyes were bright. His limbs quivering, lashing himself with his tail. Then he made a leap high over their heads and landed on the other side of the table. Laughing... Though she didn't know why, Lucy scrambled over it to reach again. A mad chase began. Round and round the hilltop he led them, now hopelessly out of reach, now letting them almost catch his tail, now diving between them, now tossing them in the air with his huge and beautifully velveted paws and catching them again, and now stopping unexpectedly so that all three of them rolled over together in a happy laughing heap of fur and arms and legs. It was such a romp as no one has ever had. 
in Narnia, except in Narnia. And whether it was more like playing with a thunderstorm or a kitten, Lucy couldn't ever make up her mind. And the funny thing was that when all three finally lay together panting in the sun, the girls no longer felt in the least tired or hungry or thirsty. And see, that is what happens when we enter into our relationship with Christ and we spend time with Him and we allow Him to direct us. We will have the energy we need to do the things He wants us to do. We will be equipped and we will be satisfied. That's our God. That is our God and I'm thankful that I know Him. And I'm thankful that He has a plan for my life and for yours. And I'm thankful that He doesn't expect me to do that, but He does it through me when I make myself available to Him. Let's all stand. Now, anytime we have a message like this, it brings about different feelings and thoughts and emotions. One, one thought that it may bring to mind is that I don't have a relationship with Christ. And that's something you've been thinking about and the Holy Spirit's been dealing with your heart about. And you can certainly take care of that this morning by placing your faith in Christ. If that's something that you know you want to do, you can come and do that this morning right now. We'll let the guys play a little music for just a few moments. And if that's something you want to do today, you can come today. Now maybe you have been thinking a lot recently about what God wants you to do with your life. And whether or not it's nominating committee time, be obedient to God. And maybe you just want to come and say, God, here I am, send me. I've, I've had a life of excuses and reasons not to do things. I'm ready to let you take care of all those. You just take me and do with me what you want to do. And that all, the altar is open for that as well today. And then maybe there are some here today that have realize that it's time to be a part of the fellowship of Startown First Baptist Church and you would like to come and join the church today. Now it's time for that as well. Okay, if you will, look up this way. Um, we have a young lady that has been attending church here for quite some time. Uh, she's been a part of our Going Live and our Wednesday night children's programs, and she's helped out in Bible school. Uh, but one thing she had not yet done was join our church, and she is ready to do that today. 
It's his Anna Grace Thronberg. Got it right, didn't I? Okay. And uh, she would like to join the church through believer's baptism. And I would like to ask what the motion of the church is. Okay. All those in favor, let it be known by raising your right hand. All those opposed, like sign. Hand down. <laughs> You're just praising the Lord, aren't you? Okay. All right, so, uh, so very soon, uh, probably within a month's time, we'll be having a baptism service. So if that's something that, that you've never done and you would like to talk with me about that, please do so. Uh, we'll let you know when that's going to take place. And when we pray, after we pray, I'd like for the church to come up and give the right hand of fellowship to Anna Grace. This, by the way, is her boyfriend, Nicholas Church. He's already a member as well. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you, Lord. Uh, thank you for giving us opportunities. Uh, thank you for equipping us. Thank you for teaching us uh, through this whole process of letting go and letting God be God. Um, thank you for Moses and his, and his life and, and his obedience. Um, Father, we can learn a lot of things from him. And help us to remember, uh, above all else, that we have a God who is capable of anything, uh, who ha has taken care of everything that needs to be taken care of, and who loves us better and more and stronger uh, than anyone ever could or ever will. We also thank you for the one who has come to be a part of the fellowship of the church. She's been very active so far, but she wants to make it official. And... Uh, we thank you for her obedience as she follows you in baptism. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.